Please be seated. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. There is much for us to contemplate this happy night, but we can do it in cheap ways, ways that just suspend disbelief for a few hours or a few days, or we can think about the real cost of new birth and new hope and new life. I'm not talking about enjoying being generous just until the day of reckoning when the credit card bills arrive, nor am I thinking of such cultural truisms such as you can't make an omelette without breaking eggs. No, I'm remembering and imagining a cataclysmic turning upside down of our lives in ways that invite or allow or even lead us to silent joy in the reality of Jesus' birth. We talk of daybreak. We talk of the dawn of the time of salvation, the breaking into the, our world of the presence of God. And this breach is not a tame or peaceful thing, but a cataclysm, thunder and lightning that only in time are reversed in favor of a still small voice. I have twice in my life that I can remember been in complete and utter darkness and the absolute absence of ambient light. And both times I was deep inside mountain caverns and they turned the lights out so that we could have the experience of pitch dark. And if you've ever had that experience, you know how fundamentally disorienting it is to be in such darkness. And especially if you're far enough away from other people that you, and cave walls that the only thing you can feel is the, is the rock beneath your feet. And when light is restored, it becomes an immediate focus, a point of reference, a compelling and unavoidable orientation. And that's what this birth is like in a dark world. In our modern post-industrial world, we are unlikely to encounter anything resembling such darkness when we're surrounded by ambient light everywhere. Unless, of course, we can either remember or imagine the inward experience of utter darkness, disorientation, despair perhaps, desolation. As often as not, this will be the experience of a broken heart. Again, I'm not asking us to imagine the facsimile of a broken heart, the kind attended by a sort of delicious despair, romantic desolation, or attention-claiming pain. I'm talking about those rare experiences when we wish that we were dead, that the, worth, the earth would swallow us up, and that utter darkness in which we can never imagine light shining anywhere in our lives. In mid-Advent, Sage and I were grateful guests at a lunch where the speaker was John Meacham, historian, Sawani graduate, man of letters, former editor of Newsweek, and most recently author of Destiny and Power, his excellent biography of President George H.W. Bush. And in the course of the lunch, he made two comments about stories that appear in that book, but which comments themselves do not. And both of them, in different ways, put me in mind of the Christmas story. In one, he was recounting an incident reported to him separately about President Clinton by both Bush 41 and by his son, Bush 43. And Meacham glanced at me, I was in my clerical collar, and he said, that particular story was a little like the Gospels, true without necessarily being accurate. Hmm? <laughs> a good reflection on the stories we read and tell 
this night as well. But the other story was about President Bush dealing with a personal tragedy. You might remember that George and Barbara Bush lost their first daughter, a girl named Robin, to leukemia in 1953 when she was nearly four years old. And a few years later, the man who was to become president wrote a letter to his mother about how a household blessed by then with four boys, Doro was not yet born, how that household needed a girl. He wrote in part, there is about our house a need, the running, pulsating restlessness of four boys as they struggle to learn and grow. All this wonder needs a counterpart. We need some soft blonde hair to offset those crew cuts. We need a dollhouse to stand firm against our forts and rackets and thousand baseball cards. We need a legitimate Christmas angel, one who doesn't have cuffs beneath the dress. We need someone to cry when I get mad, not argue. We need a girl. There's much more. It's beautiful, but you get the idea. Fifty years later, Meacham said that he asked the president, then in his 80s, to read that letter aloud in his Houston office. And he said that the president broke down in tears long before the end, crying so hard he had difficulty catching his breath. And the part of the story that's not in the book is that this commotion brought his chief, the president's chief concerned chief of staff in from the next door office. And she asked John Meacham why on earth he had asked the president to read that letter aloud. And Meacham began to answer and said, if you want to know someone's heart, and President Bush, without missing a beat, said, you have to know what breaks it. A heart broken open like a broken and sinful world, is the precursor for the possibility of a reversal, the kind of reversal we expect from God, of renewal coming from repentance, of reasonable and holy hope from despair and even life out of death. In a sense, the darkness of dark days is what makes the light so vivid. It's the heart broken open that allows space for the radical compelling, even essential reorientation toward a fundamentally new way of living, toward the light that shines in the darkness, toward light and hope and love and toward God. Could it be that the deepest joy we can experience is born of pain? And so to Jesus' birth, surely Jesus' birth in that stable included Mary crying out, Maybe there's some intimation or reversal here of the punishment meted out to Eve in the Garden of Eden. In pain shall you bring forth children. Maybe Matthew and Luke meant to imply that the consequences of the fall are about to be redeemed in the life of this newborn. But in any event, and surely there was pain and crying in this most human of births. But could it not have given rise to that holy adoration where mother and father hold their newborn and simply rest in those most love-saturated moments. The quiet adoration, silent night, in which we will participate at times in this service, is born of our recognition that something profoundly important happened in a backwater of the Roman Empire, in the midst of a broken world, even then filled with refugees, of whom the Holy Family was soon to become a part, invasions and armies and bloodshed. 
And in the quietness of the middle of the night, we celebrate that most happy and hopeful of human events, the birth of a child. In the middle of a world filled with heartbreaking news every day, we remember our hope for a new world and a new life, kneeling before this child in the arms of his mother, singing of the breaking in, the dawn of redeeming grace. Son of God loves pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth, with the dawn of redeeming grace, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. Thanks be to God. Amen.